This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles, where do you think we're going to go to? The book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And again, we're talking about the authority of the believer. Amen. And the superpower of words. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We put it first place. We do not in any way, for a moment, Father, do we think that we know uh, everything that we need to know. That's why we're in this place. We're disciples. We're being discipled. Your word teaches us and guides us and builds us and feeds us and heals us and it's everything so tonight father everybody online everybody in the room father i thank you that your word will be a life changer for them in jesus name and all god's people shouted amen Amen. we're going to go to genesis 1 verse 1 we're going to read a few verses and we go back and cover a couple of verses in the new living translation in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth we won't make a lot of commentary we mentioned that that could be the beginning, but it could be the beginning of our time, the history that we're aware of. And the earth was, that is the word became in the Hebrew, and it is a critical word. Uh, It's poorly translated in the King James Version, but it is absolutely, you could get a strong concordance and look it up. And the earth became, so when God created the heavens and earth, he created them perfectly, something happened and they became without form and void and darkness was or became upon the face of the of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light everybody say god said so we begin to see right now the superpower of words i mean it's an incredible thing that god's spirit is moving nothing has happened until god said something and man in the literal hebrew it says this god said light be and light was How many of you saw those, uh, they used to uh, advertise those back in the 90s, the clap on lights, clap on, clap off, you know, and God said lights on and lights came on, amen, and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters and God made the firmament. And divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. Now, I want to read this from the New Living Translation. The verses uh, 6 through 9. Listen very carefully. Something big stands out in these verses. Verse six, then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. So I just want to pause for a minute. If you get my book, Eternity Past, Eternity Future, there was, there were waters in the atmosphere and there were waters on the earth, literally. And God said there needs to be a separation now. Part of the waters that, that had, that were present were from Lucifer's flood and God said there has to be a separation now. And with the word heavens, there's the word atmosphere, just so you know. But I want to show you something here. Then God said, everybody say God said. Now listen to this. So God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And I love the way it says this in the New Living Translation. God said it, all right, verse six, verse, first three words, verse seven, and that is what happened. So in other words, God said it, and that's what happened. God said it, and that's what happened. 
that's the way words are designed that you can get to a level that you say it and it happens. Can you shout amen? God said it and it happened. All right, we're going to read this verse on and, and that's what's happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. So there was a canopy that was over this planet, a water canopy that was over this planet. And God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky and evening passed and morning came marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear on this planet. Let the waters on this planet now, let them flow together and let there be some land. You know, once he got the waters from the atmosphere and the waters on the earth, he separated them. There was a sky. He said, now we got all this water here. We need it to recede and we need to have some land. But I want, to, I want you to hear this. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry, dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God said it and that's what happened. There was so much authority in words that God said it. And notice God said it. And it happened. He didn't come out and wave his hand around and do something like this. God said it and it happened. Now, I want to I wanna make sure you've got to stick with me tonight. You've got to be with me every moment tonight because you can't afford to be daydreaming or somewhere else. Everybody online, don't go anywhere at all because I promise you we're going on a journey tonight. What we're seeing here is the optimum, the optimum performance of words. In other words, God, we're seeing them used at their highest possible level. It didn't say that God said it and it took 10 years and then it happened. God said it and it happened. Now you and I are not there yet. We're not at a place where everything we say happens immediately and that's a good thing because we're not very skilled yet and we say a lot of dumb things. But you can increase your level of faith to a, to a place where when you say things from the word, that it happens a lot quicker than it used to. Now, I've kind of let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, right there. That's, it's a really big point that will be made later on as we go into this message. So when God said what he wanted, what he said gave substance in other words his words brought something into being that was not there before it gave substance your words create things amen now the reason this is important so we're going to now hebrews 11 1 through 3 please stay with me i promise you i'm, I'm it's going to be a little bit methodical but we're going to get you there hebrews 11 1 through 3 uh, from the Amplified Version, Amplified Classic. By faith we understand. Now, I like that phrase and I circled it in my Amplified Version. By faith we understand. There's a lot of things you will never understand about life, about marriage, about money. There's a lot of things you will never understand if you don't have faith. You will be relegated or reduced to only natural information. And natural information is way lower. God said it this way, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. And all these so-called intelligent people out there that are trying to tell you you're dumb for coming to church to listen to the Bible, no, actually they're the dumb ones. Because they can only, do, they can only, they can only use their brain and, and that's all they have. By faith, you understand a lot of things that you'll never understand if all you have is natural information. All right, I know I've hit that point, but it's critical. Let's put that piece, we're putting a puzzle together tonight. Let's put that piece in its place, amen? So by faith, we understand that the world's plural. Wow. During the successive ages, wow, I love that in the Amplified Classic. We don't even know what happened before us. There's no way to know what happened before Adam and Eve, really. We don't know. But by faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. 
So how was everything made? Was it made by something that you could see? No, it was made out of something you couldn't see. It was made by words. Now, here's a little sub thing. I'll pitch it out there tonight. This is a freebie. I'm going to read this part again. By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped. And I, I, I put numbers on this. So by faith, things are framed, number one. By faith, things are fashioned, number two. By faith, things are put in order, number three. And by faith, things are equipped for their intended purpose. You see how faith plays a part in all of this. You want to get things in order in your life, start walking in faith and you'll get things in order. If there's something you're lacking in your life that you need to be equipped with for your purpose, if you walk in faith, God will put it in your hands. Are you listening to me? Now, so everything that we see originated not by God coming down and doing this. Before he did anything, he spoke it. All right, and we know that. Uh, we also talked about how God hid the principle that we're talking about tonight in all of his creation, and it's called the seed principle. We're not going to go there, but Mark 4, we've covered it. Everything is based on the, on the principle of the seed. And words are seeds. Amen. Words are seeds. Now, it would be dumb for a farmer... Now, here's what we do. We gripe about what we have in our lives. We gripe about our harvest. But we really don't have a right to gripe about what we're harvesting. Because if you go back and look, it's because we planted, you know, most of it with our mouth, we planted a certain crop. And now we got it. And honey, you just, you're going to have to deal with this. For a farmer to come in and say, I don't understand. I am so mad that I don't have any corn. They go, what are you talking about? I am mad, I'm furious. You know, all my crops are out there in the field and I don't have any corn at all. I've got some wheat and some soybean, but I don't have any corn at all. They go, wow. Well, what did you plant? Well, I, you know, I, I planted some wheat and some soybeans, but I wanted corn. Now, anybody that did that as a farmer, people look at him and go, they need to lock him up. How could he be expecting corn when he was planting wheat and soybeans? But understand that words are seeds and we have been planting death, depression, you know, uh, uh, sickness, disease, corona. We've been planting all, we've been scattering seed all out there in the field. And when it comes up, we got to understand we planted it. There is a superpower in words and it will work to the positive or it will work to the negative. Can you say amen? So if there was one thing that was obvious, the reason we go to the book of Genesis, even though it's, it's in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this thing's all the way through the Bible. This is not an isolated message where we took two verses and tried to make you know, a doctrine out of it. This is the Bible. But the reason we go to Genesis is because this is the beginning. It's how things, from the very offset, we see principles put in place that never change for the rest of the Bible. And it's the principle of how words contain power. Now, 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 let's go to, so, so, so I would say it this way. If anything is obvious in the book of Genesis, if anything is obvious about how you get things to change, it is your words. It's obvious. Now, we're going to read these verses. I'm going to launch us on into some other things, but please, everybody online, Oh, mercy, stay with me, stay with me. Now here in Genesis 1, through 28, from the New Living Translation again, we'll read these verses because we're going to tie it back to our authority. Then God said, let us make a man, someone like ourselves. Now, what is God like? He's like this. He says something and it happens. <laughs> That's what God's like. So let us make a man, someone like ourselves, to be the master. When you master something, that means, I mean, man, you got this thing down. You, you know how to, you know, and, and we, in the South, we say, you know how to get her done. If you master something, that means you pretty much know how to get it right almost every time. I mean, you've mastered it. Amen. How long have you been playing drums, Danny? A whole long time. 
And you would have to say that Danny's probably a master at the drums. Now, can he learn something else? Sure, but, but he's a master. He, has to, he doesn't have to sit down at a kit and go, what's that? Well, that's a cymbal. What's that? You know, well, that's a bass drum. Well, what's that? That's a snare. I mean, he sits down. He puts those sticks in his hand. He doesn't even think about it. He knows, I mean, automatic, he's, a man, he's got that master. Do you understand what I'm saying? God says, I want to create a man who's just like us, and I want him to become a master at this. I want him to master this thing the way I have about words. I don't want him to, to be to the point where when he says something, it has to take, you know, if he says it when he's 10, he has to be 99 and on his last breath when it comes to pass. Are you listening to me? To be master of all life on the earth and in the skies and in the sea. So God made man like his maker. Like God did, like God, did God make man, man and made. So that means male and females have equal ability here. There's no discrimination here. Right? And God blessed them, which is a big deal, and told them, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. You, you, not me. God said, you are the masters of the fish and the birds and all the animals. Subdue the earth, rule over all, have complete control. The Amplified Bible says, have complete authority. Everybody say authority. Now, again, authority works like this. There's regal authority. We've talked about that. Uh, and then there's this authority that has force. When you have force, when an army goes into uh, another place to, to, to fight, they're, they're using force. They're using dunamis. They have fire, firepower. You know, they don't go in. You know, you guys in the military know when it was time to go fight, they didn't say, no, 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 no don't take any tanks and don't take any weapons and, and don't take any, you know. You just walk on after because after all, you're the army. No, no, no. In that case, we're taking the stuff with us. And, you know, I remember back when the Gulf War hit back in the early 90s and General, uh, General Schwarzkopf coming out and saying, it's going to be shocking all, baby, shocking all. And boy, by the time we got those pictures back here in America, whoo, I can tell you, there, there weren't just words being spoken out there that night. That was some dunamis. But then there's this other power called regal power where you don't use any physical force at all. It's not about might. It's not about physical might. It's about having authority in your words so that when you say it like a king or someone in authority, you say it and that's it. You never have to lift a finger, but things get done. Things get changed or things become what you want them to be because you are in authority. Can you shout amen? God said, I want to give complete authority to my man on the earth. Now we know that Adam and Eve fell. We'll fast forward through a lot of history now. Adam and Eve fell and the devil was able to trick them. And because of that deception, they fell into their emotions and they fell into the soulish realm. And the devil then had them at his mercy to a degree because they lost their authority. But even though they lost their authority as, as uh, 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 in the sense of they weren't over the planet anymore, the principle of the law of words was still in place. Now, we haven't put that piece of the puzzle out there yet, and I wanted to get that one into you. It doesn't mean that when they lost their authority, they were helpless because they still had the ability to speak words. They still had the ability to say things that would change things, but because the devil deceived them, one of the first things they did is they started speaking wrong things. All of a sudden, their mouth was messed up. Can you shout amen? Now go, new, new territory, go to Matthew 8, real quickly. So we know Jesus came and he dealt with that and when he went to heaven and, and, and when he ascended, he had already, uh, you know, gone into the heavenly places with his blood and all authority was given in him in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, 19, and he presented it back to the church. But now the church had to learn again, once again, first of all, that they have authority. Second of all, what that authority means. And third, how in the world do we use it? And let me tell you that a lot of the church world still doesn't know. They still believe we're at the mercy of the devil. We're at the mercy of everything around us. They still believe that you're really not going to have much until you get to heaven. But that is not what the Bible says. The law of words, the power in words has never changed. 
Are you hearing me? Even though Adam and Eve fell and lost some of their, their regal authority in that moment and it was given over, the devil became the God of this world, they even then still had this ability, but they didn't know how to use it. And that's why we see from then on, God began to teach his people again, you're going to have to watch what you say. You're going to have to get what you say right. You're going to have to speak right words. You're going to have to get your words right. Got to get your mouth right. Are you hearing me? Matthew 8, we're going to look uh, first at the King James Version. GP, are you with me? Everybody online, stay with me. This is going to change your life. Verse 5, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So he was dying. He was at a different place. Uh, he, He was not just ill. He was dying, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. He did not say God put that on him to teach him a lesson. Like a lot of our bad theology has been. The satyrian answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me and I say to this man, go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow verily, I say unto you, or amen, that's what he's saying. In other words, this is true. This is a truth. What I'm about to say is a truth. I have, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Now, I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. I'm going to show you a couple really cool things in here. Uh, Again, verse 5, New Living Translation. Just listen if you don't have it because you don't want to miss this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. Are you ready? I'm expecting shouts online and shouts in the house. The officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are. Just say the word from where you are. Just say the word from where you are. Woo! I'm telling you, if we just start saying the word from where we are right now, just start saying the word from where you are. Even if it's a bad marriage, a bad day, you've been sick, say the word from where you are. Wow. I saw that and I almost kicked over the dog. And, well, one of my six dogs, amen. Listen to this. Just say the word from where you are. Right now, he was saying He said, you just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. What a proclamation. Wow. I know this here. I'm going, I'm still reading verse nine. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. Now here we're getting authority and words coming together because they go together. I have authority over my soldiers. Now listen listen to this in the New Living Translation. I only need to say go, and they go. He said, I don't have to go out there and make a big speech. I don't have to go out there and make some big deal. I don't have to go out there, and I go out there and I say go, and man, they go. (laughs) They're half gone by the time I get the O out of my mouth. Amen? And I I want you to focus on this word only. I, everyone say only. I only need to say go. And they go or come. And they come only. Only say come and they come. And if I say to the others, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He said, I've never seen anyone that understood that you could speak, uh, that words have so much power and authority that you can speak them from where you are and you don't, don't say a bunch of other junk. Don't make a big deal. You just say the word only. 
and it will change everything. I put this in my notes and you need to write it down if you're in here or online. Don't speak anything else. We get into trouble when we think we're speaking faith, but we add in a bunch of other stuff that we don't need to be saying at all. Thank God I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's all you need to say if you've got some symptoms. Don't go with it. But you know, I'm in kind of in a bad. But by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. No! Speak the word only. Don't say anything else. If you'll notice, when Jesus, unless he was teaching a lesson, Jesus didn't say a lot of things. He was very, you know what he actually said? He said, I only say and do what I hear the Father say and do. He said, I, I don't come out here and just blow, my, blow, blow the wind out here. It's going to get better if you can imagine it. Proverbs 30.32 from the Amplified Classic Bible. Wow. I heard Bill Winston say this and it exploded in me. He's, and now here's what it says, Proverbs 30, 32, Amplified Classic. If you have done foolishly in exalting yourself or if you have thought evil, in other words, you haven't thought correctly. Evil doesn't necessarily mean you're, just you, you're not thinking right. If you've done foolishly in exalting yourself or if you have thought evil, lay your hand on your mouth. Everybody do this. Right now in America, we're being told my God in heaven, if you go into a place and you don't wear a mask, you got these little particles and they're shooting out and they might land on somebody and then it's going to grow a virus and that virus is going to get in their system and, and it's going to break it down and it's going to get them sick and then when they get sick, they're going to die. And I mean, I'm not disputing anything about a virus, but I'm just telling you, they've got everybody in America. I mean, we're, I mean everybody's, they're in terror. There was a woman that was tased. I don't know if you read this. She was sitting outside at a football game. There was, a, people weren't around her at all. And even though they said, wear a mask, she wore she went and she sat down and she thought, I'm just going to take it off. And a, an officer approached her up there and got on her case. She said, I'm up here by my, next thing you know, he tased her. Now, I'm not trying to get into all that. All, all another to say, we're in utter fear and worry and terror and I'm not against masks. I wear them when I go in stores and they've got that mandate. I wear them. I'm not, I'm, I don't want you to incorrectly hear me at all. But I'm saying if we're that afraid that we might spew out a virus that might affect people, we ought to be more afraid that we're going to say something out of our dumb mouth that's going to kill our family. We ought to have another mass that says every time we get ready to say something really dumb, we go, oh. Why did you do that? Because I was about to spew out some doubt particles. I was about to spew out some death particles. I was about to spew out, man, some poverty particles. I was about to spew, and my God in heaven, I can't afford that. Next time you, some of our folks have masks on and that's fine and our volunteers will wear masks we, and we're good with that. And I wore, I wore, I had to go in somewhere down where when I went in they asked me to do it, I did it. But, but I'm saying is, if we believe that, that the virus is that deadly, we need to believe much more that our words can be deadly. I want to read it again, can I? If you have done foolishly in exalting yourself or if you've thought evil, and that, that could be incorrectly, lay your hand upon your mouth. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty powerful. Psalm 141 and verse 3 from the Amplified Classic says this, Set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Can you say Amen. I, oh man, I think about how I suffered needlessly even as a Christian in my early years 
because I spewed out doubt part particles and I spewed out poverty particles and I spewed out, you know, disappointment and I spewed all that garbage out of my mouth and I was a Christian. I was going to church. I was paying my tithes. I cried at the altar. I loved God with all of my heart and yet, man, things were just never improving and I didn't know what was going on and the whole time I was infecting myself because of what was coming out of my mouth. Right now, that's the whole thing in the whole world. You got to watch what's coming out of your mouth. Well, I'm telling you tonight, you better really watch what's coming out of your mouth. When Proverbs 18 and 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue, the word power could be authority, in the authority of the tongue or power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit of it, it says in Proverbs 18, 21. That tells me we got to stop spewing out these doubt particles, these sickness particles, these lack particles, these hopeless particles, these my kids are going to die on the street particles. We got to quit letting that garbage get out of our mouth. It is more deadly than a virus. Can you shout amen? Go to Mark 5. You were in Matthew. Let's go to Mark 5. I don't know. I, I, I think kind of weird. I'm kind of, you know, I, every time I, I, I read from the book of Matthew, I can just hear Festus on Gunsmoke going, Matthew. You know. <laughs> yeah, Matthew. But we're going to Mark now. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic for the lack of time. I'd like to read it from the King James as well because King James does have a couple things I'd like you to see. But, but I'm going to read because we need to read it several verses. I want to read it from, read it from the Amplified Classic. Uh, verse 21, and when Jesus had recrossed in the boat to the other side, a great throng gathered about him and he was at the lake shore. Now Jesus had been preaching. He'd come back on the other side on the boat. He'd gotten off now on the lake shore. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet. He fell down, fell down right there at his feet. Now think about this. This is a ruler of the synagogue, and I don't know how much you've read of the Gospels. Jesus didn't necessarily get along with them. They didn't necessarily respect him, but this man did. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and live. Now, he had a different level of faith, but he did have... I want you to notice what he says. It's pretty powerful. Come and lay your hands on her. Not so that we may see what might happen. He said that she, may, that she may be healed and live. He was speaking some pretty strong faith here. Right? And Jesus went with him and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him. Listen to this from the Amplified Classic. From all sides so as almost to suffocate him. See, we, we don't get the right picture in the King James. We, we see him kind of getting bounced around a little and in a, you know, like you get in a group and you're kind of, no, I mean, they were like, Whoa. I mean, he was almost being suffocated. This is how intense and in, how packed in they were. And there was a woman. Now, now remember, he's going with Jairus to Jairus's house to heal his daughter so that she may live. But in the middle of this crowd, there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Not 12 days, not 12 weeks, not 12 months. You talk about being worn out by something. And had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians. They had tried, you know, in those days, I mean, it wasn't like modern medicine. I mean, they'd bleed you and they'd do all kinds, put leeches on you. They'd do all kinds of stuff trying to get you well. And she, she was desperate. This tells you her, her, her level of desperation was she let them try everything. Whatever they said might work. She said, well, I, I, whatever, try it. And the Bible says she had endured, suffered a lot because of it, and had spent all she had and was no better but instead, she grew worse. Now, he's supposed to be hurrying along to get to Jairus' house because his daughter's about to die, but now here comes this woman. Now, listen to verse 27 from the Amplified Classic. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus. That's why it's so important. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by... Tonight, some of you have been in a desperate situation. You need to stay online and stay with this because God's trying to put some faith in you. 
And she had heard the reports concerning Jesus. She came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. She came up behind him. Somehow, now remember, he's in a crowd where it's suffocating. This had to take a lot of effort. This woman had to really work hard. She most likely was very weak if she had an issue of blood. Very weak. But she did it. I mean, see, most Christians today, if they got to, you know, listen to a message for 45 minutes, they get distracted and want to go out and do something else. I got some preacher friends. I, I won't even call them by name. But I got a few of them, man. They got an attention span uh, of a chimpanzee. Let me get this. Whoop, what's over there? You know, you're never going to grow in the Lord if you don't, if you don't give your attention to God. You're going to have to sit still. The Bible says, you know, be still, know that I'm God. I got some people here that don't even come in here and listen to the preaching. Oh. I see them come here and work in the church and I'm thinking, where are they at, man? I'm in here preaching the word and they're somewhere else. Well, of course, if you think you know everything, you know, then I guess you don't need this. But I'm telling you what, I'm learning and I've been doing this 44 years. How long have you been doing? Man. Now, listen to this. For she kept saying, this is important because it only shows you this in the Amplified Classic. Here's what she kept, she kept saying. If I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. If I only touch his garments, if I only touch his garments, if I only touch his garments, if I only, what? She didn't say anything else. She didn't go into, I'm sick and I got this and you don't know what's going on. I've been through this. I've been a lot. She didn't talk about her history with the doctors and her history with her illness and her history. No, if I must touch it, if I can just touch it, if I can just touch it, I'll be healed. I'll be healed. I'll be healed. She kept saying it. And that's all she said. See, I want you to get this, this in your heart tonight. Only, only, only say that. Don't, don't, don't mix in your feelings, your emotions, your history, your mama, your daddy, what's going on in America, what's, what the newscaster said, the political guy did that. No, no, only. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up. Can you? Think about that. It didn't say she started to recover. She started to feel better. Yet she began the process of healing. No, I mean, think about this. 12 years and in one second, immediately, the Bible says her flow of blood was dried up at the source. So in other words, whatever was causing this was dealt with. So it wasn't like, you know, she got healed for a moment, but that thing was still in there, so it started producing again. No, that was it. That's why we need to read the Amplified Classic. At the source, and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. Jesus recognizing in himself that power, or power, notice says power proceeding from him, had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now hear this, this is important. He said, who touched my clothes, he did not mean who physically touched his clothes because a lot of people were touching his clothes. What he was saying is, who touched my clothes by their words, which of course had their faith. Somebody out there said something and... Faith just got, just jumped out of me. See, a lot of us still say, well, if somebody will just lay their hands, and there's times for people to get hands laid on, but man, there's a higher level here. We're talking about, I'm, I'm talking about helping you get up to a higher level. Can I read some more? And the, the, the disciples kept saying to him, because <laughs> they, you know, bless their hearts, they're like a lot of us, they're clueless. They kept saying to him, you see the crowd pressing here around you from all sides and you said, who touched me? Well, boy, man, Jesus has been out in the sun a little bit today. Still, listen to this, I love it in the Amplified. Still, he kept looking around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though, though, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your I want you to see that word, and that's also in the King James. 
Not, he didn't say, I'm the son of God and I healed you. He said, daughter, your faith. And we would say, your faith filled words, your faith, because she said it and she acted on it. Your faith. Amplify Classic, your trust and confidence in me springing from faith in God has restored you to health. And what did she do before she ever touched him? She kept saying, she kept saying, if I touch him, I'll be healed. 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 I'm sure a lot of people were bumping in and, and she didn't say, stop it, stop it. No, if I touch him, I'll be healed. I touch him, I'll be healed. She, get, she might have been getting bounced around like a pinball out there. But all that came out of her mouth that we see recorded here, she kept saying, if I touch him, I'll be healed. If I touch him, I'll be healed. And of course, in the King James Version, it says the hem of his garment. And that was important because that hem was a sign of the covenant. And that's what the priest wore. And think about this. This, this is even bigger. Think about this with me. We're reading this and she didn't have this. She didn't have the New Testament. She probably didn't know hardly any of the scriptures. She just heard. She took that little bit of faith she had and said, even with this amount of faith, I know if I touch him, I'll be made whole. Folks, we got the whole Bible here. We ought to be walking in some high, high, high levels. She didn't have access to all of this that we have. Can you shout amen? amen? Daughter, your faith, your trust, and confidence in me springing from faith in God has restored you to health. Go in into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Now, now, let's go back and think about what's happening here because remember it started with Jairus who was needing an immediate result, needing Jesus to come quickly to his daughter because his daughter, daughter was already dying by the time he got to Jesus and time was expedient and now this interruption takes place with this woman and it's cost Jesus some time and now let's keep reading. While he was still speaking, there came some from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further. Now I want to show you what Jesus did and it was critical because Jairus gets hit with this news and I guarantee you like any parent his heart had to have, have sunk. I mean it had to. But before Jairus had a chance to weep, cry, grieve or say it's over Jesus jumped in and said overhearing this is Jesus overhearing but ignoring what they said this is, this is what it says in the New Testament. Jesus overheard it. He ignored it. They said, hey, your daughter's dead. Jesus is like, talk to the hand. <laughs> Overhearing this, but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Keep on believing. What do you mean keep on believing? She's dead. But notice, he didn't say anything. Now, why do you think, why do you think Jairus still didn't say anything? I mean, it would have been hard in that situation to keep your mouth shut, but he just witnessed the miracle of that woman. God sent in a faith-filled illustration in front of his eyes before the news ever came about his daughter about just how powerful faith was and it, and so therefore as much as I know he wanted to say anything he didn't say anything he thought here's what he did everybody do this before he let any fear particles out death particles out destruction particles out dismay particles out, hopeless particles come out of his mouth. I'm pretty sure he did this. Can you say amen? And Jesus, he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He was reducing the doubters as much as he could. 
When they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully, this is all about Jesus, and with understanding at the tumult and the people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but is sleeping. Now he has a different view of what's happened than they have. Are you hearing me? And they laughed and jeered at him. But he put them all out. <laughs> if you're going to walk by faith the way I'm trying to teach you to walk and, and, and get your vocabulary right and get your words right, you're going to have to put some people out. Now I'm just going to tell you folks, there's going to come a time where you're going to say, I cannot afford to hear that negativity. I can't hear that doubt. I cannot have them spew that poison on me. I love them. I'll pray for them uh, from a distance, but I am not going to go and submit myself to that trap. I'm not going to. Because I'm looking for a miracle here. I can't afford to have that. GP, are you with me? All right. But he put them all out and taking the child's father and mother. Now, so he took the father and mother in there. Why did he take them in there? Why? Because we don't know if they had great faith or not. I mean, they're, they're, the father and mother, you know, is dead. So he took Jairus and his wife, I guess, in there. And, and the, the daughter's dead. So why did he take them in there? Let me tell you why. How many of you in here have children? Everybody online, you listen to this. You have more authority for your children than you ever dreamed you have. You have more authority as a parent than you ever dreamed and the devil will con you when they get out and mess around in the world and get into trouble and he'll con you that you don't have any authority but that is a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus said, I'm taking mom and dad, you come in here, you've got authority. You may not know it, but you've got some authority and we're going in here and I'm taking you and I'm going to show you what authority and faith and words will do. I don't know about you, but that's a good place to shout right there. Amen. He put them all out and taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him, he went in where the little girl was lying. Gripping her firmly by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kuma, which translated as little girl, I say, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And instantly the girl got up and started walking around. When did it happen? For she was 12 years old and they were utterly astonished and overcome with amazement. I want to remind you what we're looking at here. What happened? We read back over here about the, the, the centurion and, and about speak the word only from where you are. But notice what he said. Speak the word what? Speak the word what? Speak the word what? Why did that woman who had the issue of blood, what, what happened there? What She kept saying what? And that was only what she said. She kept saying, I'm trying to get it in your heart and head. We are going to have to quit putting in a lot of other stuff when we've got the word of God. We don't need to put in all that. We just need to say what God's word says. Only. I would say only. Exodus 13, 9 and 10, I'm thinking about fixing to get ready to start closing, although I don't want to. Exodus 13, 9 and 10, Amplified Classic. Exodus 13, 9 and 10 from Amplified Classic. The day of observance, he's talking about the Passover here because they have now been delivered out of Egypt and they're supposed to keep this Passover. It's a day of observance. Will be like a sign on your hand, a memorial between your eyes, and the teaching of God in your mouth. It was with a powerful hand that God brought you out of Egypt. Follow these instructions at the set time year after year after year. He was, he was saying the teaching of God is what needs to be in your mouth. The teaching of God is what needs to be in your mouth. Now we started out tonight and we saw, we saw words at their highest level where God said something and it was immediate. We see here in the life of Jesus where things happen immediately. I mean, there was no delay. There was no process. But we're, listen, most of the time, this is not a negative statement. It is an assessment to help us adjust. We're not there. We very rarely 
see immediately what we say because we've planted so many fields of doubt and unbelief and worry and fear and poverty and lack and depression and anxiety and nervous. And by the way, if you've been, if you've been diagnosed with any of those conditions, do not claim them. Well, you know, I've just always been, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. I just have anxiety. It's, I just have it. Well, just decide not to have it because Philippians 4 and 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about anything. Don't fret about a single thing, it says, in the Amplified Classic. I wrote this down. I got to close. Man, I feel like we're just, I feel like now we've finally made some headway, you know. Listen to this. I wrote it down. The reason people who worry never get rid of worry is that they will talk worry all of the time instead of God's word. The reason you don't get rid of worry is because you talk worry all the time. I, I was at my sister's house. She may be watching. She knows I love her. We had this conversation on the phone this morning. Uh, I, I talked to her on the phone. was there this evening. We had this conversation on the phone. And we talked about how we were raised in a professional worrying household. My mother was the most worrisome person you have ever met. She worried about absolutely everything, everybody, all the time. My brother who was older than me, was just like her. Oh, I mean, it was negative, negative, negative. If anything bad's going to happen, it's coming. Oh, my God, don't go over there. You're going to get hit by a car. Don't go to the store. Somebody's going to rob it while you're in. I mean, it was just craziness. I was raised in that environment. My sister was raised in that environment. She said to me this morning, I'll have to admit, I kind of got some of mama's traits. I said, I know, I know you still worry about stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you why I don't. I said, it's not because I'm anything. It's not because I'm anybody. It's not because I'm, I'm, but I, what I learned, and I had to learn it, I learned to, whenever I get into a situation where there's fear introduced or there's anxiety introduced, I have learned, and I, I haven't perfected it, but I've learned to try to be sure that no matter what I'm thinking here, notice what he said, if your thought is evil, put a, Proverbs 30, 32. I've learned to either put a hand over my mouth or to only say what God says. You're never going to get rid of worry if you're always going to talk about worry. You're going to have to talk about the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What could man do unto me? Psalms 118, verse 6. Amen? Second Timothy, you know, 1, 7, about God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I, have not, I, don't even, I don't even have the spirit of fear. Amen. I don't even have it. When I got born again, I, got born, I'm a, I have a different spirit now. Amen. Are you hearing me? Wow, I'm looking here and I got like one more thing I could do, but go to Zechariah. Everybody online, can you hang on just about, I'll try to be finished in five to seven minutes. It'll be worth your while. We've read these scriptures before, but now in the context of what we've said tonight, they'll be even bigger, I think, to you, and I want to get them to you real fast. Now, remember, Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. It literally says in the Greek, that's Mark eleven twenty two verse 23 says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, 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 say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast and see, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice he talks about saying it three different times. In other words, you got to say it. You got to say it. You got to say it. But notice what it does say, and I've, I've taught this to you many times. You have to say it unto the mountain. I cannot speak about the mountain. I've got to speak to the mountain. The mountain's obvious. If I've got a runny nose, right, watery eyes, then it's obvious there's something going on in my body, but I can't walk around all day going, I got it, I got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, we're not, it's not that you're denying, you're not denying what you have, but rather than saying and talking about the mountain, you're going to say something to the mountain. Body, according to the word of God, by the stripes of Jesus, I want you to know you are healed. You are healed. You are healed. So we, we've mentioned this before. You can't, we have done way too much time. We've spent way too much of our lives talking about the obvious. The obvious is you got a beater card. The obvious is 
you, you've been hurt. The obvious is you're sick. The obvious is you don't have any money. That, those are all the obvious things, but don't talk about them all the time. You're talking about the mountain when you should be talking to the mountain. Now, having said that, Zechariah 4, 6, and 7, we're going to read from the Amplified Classic Bible. For who are you? I like it that he calls the mountain a who. It's kind of an interesting choice of words. Who are you, O great mountain? Listen to the Amplified Classic. Of human obstacles. So now he's kind of giving you the definition. The mountain that we face, we literally don't have to go out and move a mountain, a physical mountain. We don't have to do that. But we have human obstacles. Who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles, before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him. He said, you know, look at all the things that God's already got us done. We, we, we've, we've overcome a lot of stuff. Who are you? What? So what other obstacle do you have? But who are you? Who are you to... See, you're trying to tell me I'm not going to make it? And this is, you know, to the mountain? Notice this. Before him, you shall become a plane. That means like this, not a flying plane, a flat level plane, okay? You should become a plain, a mere molehill. We have been making mountains out of molehills and we should be making molehills out of mountains. I've just got to say it. We have been making mountains out of molehills and we should be making molehills out of mountains. <laughs> Aren't you? I mean, isn't that good? Now listen to this. And he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone. In other words, we're getting this temple built. We're going to get the last stone. We're going to get this. This thing's going to get accomplished. With loud shoutings of the people. So in other words, we're, how are we going to get this done? We're going to do it with our words, with what we say. With loud shoutings of the people crying, grace, grace to it. And grace in those days was not talking about this little milky, junky, little funky message that's out there now that tells you drink a little, sin a little, prostitute a little, adulterer a little, fornicate a little because, you know, it's been paid for. No, this grace is talking about the power of God that's in you and part of that power is the power to speak. This part here, you got to say it. Can you shout amen? Now, I got to give you one more verse, can I? I mean, it's the last one. It is the last one. We actually got through four pages tonight. That's pretty good work in one night. We usually get through one paragraph. But I'm pretty committed tonight. So here's your last verses, Deuteronomy 30. Don't touch that dial. Things are about to change in your life. Things are about to change in your future. Things are about to change in your health. Things are about to change in your money. Things are about to change in your family. Things are about to change in your neighborhood. Things are about to change at work. Things are about to change. They're about to change. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. Amplified Classic. Listen to this. I love the way this is phrased. This commandment God has given them, this commandment that I'm commanding you today, I, listen to this, isn't too much for you. Say, it's not too much for me. Now tonight, what you're hearing this commandment or this word is, you can use your words, you can change it. Entire, your entire world. It's not too much for you. Listen to what the next part of this says. It's not out of your reach. Now I want you to know if you're out there online and you're broken, divorced, hurt, sick, tired, whatever it is, it's not too much for you. It's not out of your reach. You can do this. You can do this. It's not too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. Are you getting ready to shout? Now you can shout at the end of this if you get it and you can stand and that'll be it. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. You don't even have to understand it. But I'm not done. I'm like, I'm like Bill Wissa, sit down. You know? No, stay up. It's okay. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it. Bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. Here it is. No, 
The word is right here and now, as near as the tongue in your mouth and in your heart. Just do it. Somebody shout. You just went into the phone booth and you're not Clark Kent anymore. You're Superman. You're the Black Panther. <laughs> Wonka, amen. You have just been transformed. You don't even have to understand it all. All you got to do is just do it. Do it. Believe it. Practice it. Walk in it. My God in heaven. Whew. Can you see now why I was so excited about this message? This is a life changer. This is a life changer right here. This is a life changer. Speak the word only. Don't say anything else. Speak the word only. If you feel like you're about to blow it, put your hand over your mouth. Don't spew out the particles. Don't spew out the junk. Don't spew out all that mess. No, 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 no. I'm going to speak the word only. And the whole idea is for us to get to the point where we're raising our faith level, where it's not taking months and months and months and months and months to see a change. But my God, we get to the level where we can almost say it and it'll be like Amos 9, 13. It said while the people were out there planting, it was coming up so fast, the harvesters were coming right behind it and they were harvesting it because it was coming up so fast. Wow. Wow. Man. Now you think about this. I've been doing this 44 years, 42, believing what I'm preaching to you tonight. It took me this long to find this, but can you see what persistence will do? And you just stay at it and you stay. That farmer goes to bed and gets up, goes to bed, gets up, goes to bed, and gets up. Go. The Bible says he doesn't even know how it works. But my goodness, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be some big super intelligent. Have some, you know, IQ of 160 or something like that. This will work for anybody. Now, I don't care if you're broken, beat down, people called you trash, told you you're nothing, tell you you're never going to do anything. They have lied to you. Don't you ever let those particles come out of your mouth. Don't you ever say that about yourself. Don't you ever declare that about your life. Don't you ever declare it about your family. I'm telling you, you speak this word only and watch what God will do. Man, oh man. Wow. If this didn't get you happy, nothing's going to. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Amen. Give God praise. Give God praise tonight. Hallelujah. We're going to another level. We're going to another level. This is not just the simple confession message of the 70s and 80s, which was profound and life-changing. God's given us newer, like, insight. He's helping us build this even to a, a different level now. Let's take advantage of it. Now, this won't work if you don't incorporate it. You've got to make adjustments. You've got to immediately start training yourself and, and meditating and, you, and meditating this word day and night and let that word get out of your mouth and don't listen to all that junk out there, all that garbage out there, all that negativity out there. My God in heaven, don't let that back in again. But stand on the word. The super power of words. Whew. You have a superpower. And I don't know about you, man, I'm ready. I told the Lord today, I said, Lord, I'm recommitting. I was down in my basement. I was down there just thinking about all, all this. And I thought, Lord, I'm, and I, I, I am hard on me. I'm really hard on me. I said, I'm, and I, I don't say it out of my mouth. I, I, I don't talk about, you know, you're, you're pathetic. You know, I did think some of that because I, I don't ever want to think, but, but I did say to the Lord, Lord, I know I can do better. Now, that's not wrong to say. I know I can do better. Father, with your help, I'm going to do better. I'm going to another level. 
I've decided this, Lord. The, the, the congregation needs it. My family needs it. You know, for the remainder of the time I have on earth, which according to Genesis is 58 years, then, then I'm gonna, I got to get this right. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to just preach this. I'm, I'm going to live this and, 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 and put a watch over my mouth that I don't sin against you. Lord, if I say something that, that's not right or it's not in, in line with what I really want in your word, then Lord, please correct me. Please check me on it right there. I don't, want, I don't care if I don't fit into the social moment. I don't care if I look like a weirdo or goofy because I wouldn't, you know, go hoo, 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 like the rest of them and give my little corny remark. I don't care. I just want to walk in this word. Say this out loud. Say, Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. It is in me. Now, you know, those scriptures I read in Deuteronomy 30 were repeated in Romans chapter 10. I just thought of this, where it says the word is nigh thee, even in, their, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That was part of Deuteronomy 30 there. And that's when he said, you know, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made into salvation and salvation in most cases in the new testament it's the greek word sozo and it doesn't just mean your eternal salvation it means health strength life wholeness peace it's all there and don't preach it again thank you so much everybody online that you didn't cut off see if you'd have cut off you'd have missed it my goodness now listen to me sermontogo.com I don't know how soon they're going to have this ready or when it's going to be available but you ought to get this thing you ought to listen to it about 10 times here's how you know you got it you'll start kicking something my god that's, that's how you know you got something get it past your head get it into your spirit get it past your head get it into your spirit get it past your head get it into your spirit and watch and see what God will do Pastor Ginger and I want the best for everyone out there and everybody in here. We want you to go to the highest levels. We're like parents. We're like a mom and dad. What we want for the children is for you to supersede anything we've done. We are, we are praying for you to, to get to the highest levels. We want you to make it to the highest places. Amen. Change your entire genealogy. And if the Lord tarries another 100, 200 years and, and you, we're all in heaven then and we will be and, and people are looking back and they're going to go, man, I'll tell you one thing, Uncle so-and-so, Aunt so-and-so, look at this, man. She was a dynamo. Lord, look at all the stuff she did and accomplished. Because you leave back a legacy. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.